question. How many of you have ever been confused? Yeah, some of those hands shot straight up. Maybe you're confused about where to go to lunch today. Little decisions like that. Maybe you're confused about what do I need to do in my career. Uh, you may be confused about who should I marry or should I get married or what in the world am I going to do in the middle of my marriage. It's easy to be confused about a lot of different things. It's just part of life. It's hard to know sometimes what to do. And it's easy for all of us to be confused in how to know and make decisions. And it's hard to know sometimes what's going on in the world around us. And there's a lot of really intelligent people who struggle with this and not just uh, people like me who may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but really intelligent people like this graduate student who uh, was wearing a sweatshirt one day with a great big K on it. Somebody asked him, what's with the K? What's it stand for? And the graduate student says it stands for confused. And the guy said, well, don't you know, confused starts with a C, not a K. And the graduate student says, you don't know how confused I am. It's easy to be confused. And, and one of the things that we get confused about in the Bible is the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit in our world today. You see, he is part of the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. And we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. And he is at work in our world. Do you believe that? Amen. Well, the setting here in John chapter 16 is the Last Supper. This is the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples before he would be crucified. And here in verses 5 and following, Jesus is speaking, and he begins like this. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. For the past three plus years, Jesus has been with his disciples all the time. They ate together. They drank together. They were always together. They traveled together. I cannot think of a time in the New Testament, perhaps you can tell me of one later, where Jesus spent 24 hours away from his disciples. They left everything to follow him. And now he's leaving them, and the disciples are not happy. Jesus, you cannot leave us. What are they going to do without you? We depend upon you for everything. We don't know what we're supposed to do in this world without you. Jesus, you cannot leave. But Jesus tells them, it's to your advantage that I go away. How can that possibly be an advantage? Because Jesus is God in flesh with his disciples. He knows everything. He can do anything. And he is with them physically present every day. But Jesus says this. It's your, to your advantage if I go away. Because if I go away, 
I am going to send someone else, namely the Holy Spirit. And he will be with you wherever you go. So when Jesus was living on this earth, he limited himself to a physical body. He could not be in two places at one time. But when Jesus left this earth, he sent the Holy Spirit who could be everywhere at the same time. So if James is in one city and John's in a different city and Peter's in yet another city, the Holy Spirit could be with them all. In fact, he could be with every single disciple, every single believer of Jesus Christ. He could and would be with. And the same is true for us today. The Holy Spirit is always with us everywhere all the time. Isn't that good news? So when you get up and go to work tomorrow and you have to face that difficult situation and your boss is a pain in the neck. All right. How many have a boss that's a pain in the neck? All right. Staff, don't raise your hands. Okay. Anyway, or you have a person at your school that's like, how do I deal with that person? Or you have a situation in your family and you don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with my kids. I don't know what to do with my parents. I don't know what to do with my neighbor. I don't know which direction to go in this decision. I don't know which direction to go in that decision. I am totally confused. The good news is this. The Holy Spirit says he will be with us. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be with us everywhere all the time, in every circumstance and situation that you may face. So why in the world will we not want to cooperate with him? Since he is God, he knows everything, he can do anything, he can be everywhere at the same time. Well, I could give you at least one reason. We don't always like where he's leading. God, I'd really like to go over here and do this. I'd really like to take this job. I'd really like to marry that girl. I'd really like to be a part of this plan. But God says our job is not to make up our own plans and ask him to bless them. Our job is to seek the face of God and to know his purpose, his plans, his directions. And then we follow his purpose and plans for our lives. Does that make sense? But sometimes I don't like those plans. Sometimes I don't like those directions. Sometimes I don't like what the Holy Spirit is calling me to do. And so sometimes, many times, we probably try to do it our own way. If we're going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, it might help to know a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Anybody with me? Hello. Let's learn a little bit together. What in the world does the Holy Spirit do? Jesus gives us some insight here in John chapter 16. He's not giving us an exhaustive list, but he does give us some help. Let's look together. First of all, the Holy Spirit convicts sinners. Verse 8. And he, that's the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. The New Testament word translated convict in the ESV, NIV, and NASB, a lot of translations, is reprove in the King James. It's a legal term meaning to bring to light or to expose. The Holy Spirit would come to convict the world of sin. There are some things that are right, and there are some things that are wrong. It doesn't matter what the laws of government may pass or how culture changes with time. 
God's word says something is wrong, it's wrong. God calls something sin, it's sin. Okay? By the way, in case you're wondering, every single one of us have sinned. I've sinned, you've sinned. Every single person who ever walked the face of this planet other than Jesus Christ has sinned. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, for all, say it all of me, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Your sins may not look like my sins or somebody else's sins, but every single person who has ever lived other than Jesus Christ has sinned. We've all blown it at some point or time or another, and we'll all blow it again. The idea, though, here in John chapter 16 is not just convicting people of sin in general. Jesus goes on in verse 9 to tell us that the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin because they do not believe in Jesus. Verse 10 tells us that the Holy Spirit convicts people in regard to righteousness concerning Jesus. In other words, the Holy Spirit shows unsaved people, people who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior who died on the cross for their sin and placed their faith in Him and decided by God's grace to follow Jesus Christ, He is convicting them that they cannot be right with God apart from faith in Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit convicts people of their sin, and He draws people to Jesus in salvation. The Holy Spirit convicts sinners. The Holy Spirit also, along with God the Father and God the Son, condemns Satan. Jesus goes on with more good news here in verse 11. The prince of this world, the devil, now stands condemned. Aren't you glad? The jury is not still out. The decision has already been made. The battle has already been won. Amen? We face a powerful enemy. He's more powerful than you. He's more powerful than me. He's more powerful than all of us in this room put together. Our enemy, the devil. But he's also a defeated enemy. The devil is now being restrained, and one day he will be totally destroyed. After Jesus rose from the dead, he told us in his great commission that all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus Christ has all authority. Satan is a powerful enemy, but he's a defeated enemy. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That means if you're a Christian... The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and he's greater than the devil or any other enemy you may face in this world. Ephesians 6, 10 and following says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against all the schemes, all the tricks, all the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and powers and spiritual forces in an unseen world. Listen, the enemy is at work in this world. He wants to work inside and he wants to attack churches. He wants to attack people and he wants to divide and and distract and discourage and to to bring us down but the good news is Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit live inside of you so you have a power that's greater than the power of the enemy you have a, a wisdom that will help to guide you along the way as the Holy Spirit directs your paths and empowers you for living The Holy Spirit convicts sinners. He condemns Satan. He also counsels the Christian. Go to verse 12. 
I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus tells his disciples that all the spiritual truth you can handle right now. Okay, this is about it. But Jesus continues in verse 13 to say, when the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. Back in verse 7 of the same chapter, the spirit of truth is called the counselor. Question. How many of you, when you were in high school, had a guidance counselor at your school? All right. Probably almost all of us, right? And they may have them in middle school and even elementary school now. I don't really know all of that. But I had a guidance counselor in my school. Did you have one in your school, Sims, in middle school? Awesome. Anyway, I had a guidance counselor at my high school. But to be honest, she really didn't help me very much. You know why? Because I really didn't go to her and ask her for advice. I pretty well had my plan laid out. I pretty well knew what I wanted to do when I got out of high school. I was going to go to college at a certain, certain university and figure it out from there. And I suppose, in a lot of cases, that's okay when we're in high school. But too often, that's the way we live our lives in relation to the Holy Spirit. We kind of know what we want to do. We kind of decide where we want to go. Maybe you decided, well, this is the person I want to marry, or this is the job that I want to have, or this is the situation that I want to do, or this is what I want to do here or there or other. And all those things may be right and good, but before we make those decisions, most importantly, we need to seek the direction of God. And so God will guide us by the Holy Spirit and by His Word as we trust in Him and follow Him. The Holy Spirit wants to give us wisdom, but we must listen and obey. In Psalm 32, 8 and 9, God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle or will not <clears throat> stay near you. God told David, the psalmist in essence, I'm trying to teach you. Don't be like a stubborn mule that insists ongoing its own way. Sometimes we don't know the ways of God because we're too stubborn. I'm from Missouri. And if any state in the union is known for stubbornness, it might be Missouri. Think about it. Missouri is called the show me state, right? If Missouri had a, a state animal, it's probably the what do you know about mules? A little stubborn, right? And there's a president who's from Missouri, probably known for a little bit of stubbornness. His name is Harry S. Truman. Probably a good president in a lot of ways, but, you know, he said the buck stops here, and he said a lot of things that were definite decisions, and this is what we're doing, probably a little bit stubborn. I don't know about you, but I'd say a whole lot of Baptists are from Missouri. Because, you know, we can be stubborn, right? Stubborn is not always a bad thing. Too often, though, it can be a bad thing if we're not stubborn, if we're stubborn when it comes to replying and responding to the Holy Spirit. Not only does the Holy Spirit counsel the Christian, he also comforts them. Back up in verse 7, the Holy Spirit is called the helper or the comforter. The Greek term is alos parakletos. Alos means another of the same kind. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as God the Father or the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The Holy Spirit is our Alice and our Paracletas. Paracletas means one called alongside to help. The Holy Spirit is our helper and comforter in our time of need. In almost every funeral I've ever preached, I always quote the 23rd Psalm. And in that Psalm, the Bible says that God's rod and his staff, they comfort me. 2 Corinthians 1.3 tells us that our God is the God of all comfort. Comfort is pretty important to people today. Think about it. People want to make a comfortable living, right? You've heard that phrase. People want to wear comfortable clothing. We spend time with people we're comfortable with. There's a hotel chain called the Comfort Inn. Ever heard of it? And there's an alcohol called Southern Comfort. How many of you ever heard of that? You're afraid to raise your hand, right? I'm not saying it, right? Now, I'm not recommending it, okay? Not that I've ever tried it. Though I did try to pick up my dry cleaning at a liquor store one time, but that's another story. One of the reasons why God gives us comfort, according to 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, is so we might comfort others who are in need with the comfort we have received from God. The Holy Spirit gives us counsel and comfort, but that doesn't mean He's going to leave you in your comfort zone. If you're going to step out of your comfort zone, you're going to need the Holy Spirit's power at work in your life. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. In Acts 1, 8, Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Listen, you don't live this Christian life on your own. If you're a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit at work empowering you for living moment by moment and day by day. So when you face that difficult situation or you don't know what to do or life looks like it's falling apart around you, Jesus Christ said, I have given you the Holy Spirit to empower you for living. But too often, if you're like me, it's easy to try to live life your own way, making your own decisions, doing your own thing. But God says, I will give you power moment by moment and day by day. The Holy Spirit also gives us special abilities called spiritual gifts. You can see a rather full description in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14, and we won't cover all that today. That's a whole other sermon. The Holy Spirit also builds character. And one of the better definitions of character is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the first thing. Don't turn to your neighbor and say, the fruit of the Spirit is love. All right, now, we're not talking about syrupy, romantic-type love, okay? We're talking about unconditional love. Loving God and loving others unconditionally. How many know that's hard to do sometimes? The next aspect of the Holy Spirit is joy. Say joy with me. Joy with a smile on your face, right? It's joy. So it doesn't mean that you're celebrating necessarily in the circumstances but you're celebrating because you have the joy of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Love, joy. What's the next one? Peace. Peace. A peace that passes all understanding, the Bible says. That does not mean circumstances are always good. But it does mean that God will give you a sense of peace in the middle of your circumstances as you trust in Him and follow Him. Love, joy, peace. You know what the next one is? It's a hard one. 
Patience. Thank you. Do you know what the King James Version says there? Long-suffering. Sometimes it feels like it, doesn't it? It's like, ugh. That's a hard one sometimes. It's not, but it's part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. What's the next one? Kindness. We got some Bible scholars back there, all right? Being kind. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. The goodness of God flows from us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We stay in there with God. We keep on loving. We keep on trusting. We keep on following Him. We're faithful to God. We try to be faithful in serving others. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Say gentleness with me. Gentleness, okay? We're gentle. We're easy to be approached. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, okay? If we possess those things in our lives, it's, it's the evidence of the Holy Spirit at work as we grow and mature in Him. One of my goals in experiencing God above everything else is not to get all the blanks filled in in our Bible study. It's not that we have every single meeting and don't miss any. Those are all good and important. But what's really most important is that we might grow in our character in Jesus Christ. And God is calling us to continue to grow and mature in Him. The Holy Spirit counsels and comforts and produces character inside the Christian. He also champions the Savior. In John 16, 14, Jesus says, The Holy Spirit will glorify me. One of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit in this world is to bring glory to Jesus. That's one of our primary roles as well. And it's another one of the best ways of knowing if we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Are we bringing honor and glory to Jesus Christ by the way that we live? Jesus said something kind of similar to that in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that others might see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. So as people see us living our lives in this world, and sometimes we blow it, sometimes we fail, sometimes we mess up, but they see a person who genuinely walks in the character of the Holy Spirit and genuinely shares the love of Jesus Christ with people around them, then people begin to notice. And as you do that, and I do that, and we do that together, we can make a difference in this world. And we can touch people's lives, the love, and the truth, and the grace, and the power of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that. I want to see God move in our lives. I want to see God move in our church. I want to see God do incredible things that are greater than we might even imagine. And I think he's been doing some of that. But I think there's so much more that God wants to do. And I hope that you and I will allow him to do all that he wants to do in us and through us for his glory. Would you pray with me?